Well, episode, I mean, firstly, double digits, episode 10, we are no longer, I don't know, toddlers. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Andy, what is the, uh, what is, what is the correct analogy? <laughs> Probably not that, but we're approaching our teenage, um, <laughs> teenage years here with episode 10 of the last call. Uh, I'm David Griggs and I'm joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Andy Kane. How are you, Andy? I am. Uh, I'm doing great. Just amazed that we've made it this far. Me too. I, but you know, I don't feel like it's been a labor. Do you? I mean, we've enjoyed it. You know, we obviously enjoy chatting anyway. So it's not like we're, you know, uh, this is really more just us catching up and happen to be recording it, isn't it? Really, I think. Yeah, I think what people don't realize these 15 minute episodes, we're really chatting for about an hour and a half. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, and, and I think that's wonderful. That this is how it all started. Was just like you know let's catch up every week. And then at the same time, if we talk about something that other folks might find remotely interesting, uh, why not share it? So in that vein, um, I'm just going to tell you that I'm going to surprise you tonight with the um, my beverage selection. And okay. I've actually gone for a Negroni. Now, still gin-based, um, but um, for those who don't know what that is, it's equal parts gin, Campari, and uh, sweet vermouth. And it is a delicious Italian cocktail. It's sort of the big brother of the Aperol Spritz, really. I th that's the way I think of it, anyway. But why don't you tell us what um, you're drinking, bracing myself, as always, and perhaps um, what we're going to be talking about in tonight's episode. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm not a huge Campari fan. I'm just going to oh. throw that one out there. Just no, mm -hmm. thanks. I'll pass. Hard pass. So uh, for myself, what I'm drinking tonight, it's a uh, local brewery. <laughs> I just feel like I that should that should just be kind of the tagline of anything I drink up here in the PNW. But um, so it's uh, by Georgetown. It's one of their flagships called called Bodhisattva, which is funny enough that <laughs> given the the topic that we're talking tonight uh, about tonight and and Indian Pale Ale. It's got, it's actually one of the I think the first brewery I went to when I like on my first visit to Seattle many, many, many moons ago. Uh, so it's a little nostalgia, but yeah, on the shelf, I was like, why not? I, but, I have to say, you know, when, when I think of great American craft beer and it has become a little bit of a cliche, I think I do still think that a West coast style, you know, very hop forward, almost citrusy kind of forward IPA is just one of the best things we make in this country when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. hundred percent. Um, so the, the next question you have for me, what is our question? What are we talking about tonight? Um, for those that maybe the last couple episodes wasn't their cup of tea, this is going to be the last, uh, <laughs> we promise. Yeah, the, the Campari of, of a podcast here, but if you, <laughs> this is going to be the last installment of, of what we talk about on kind of the topic of religion. And, you know, we, we tried to keep away from it being negative or really, um, we understand this is a very charged topic emotionally for people and, you know, if you if you don't like if you didn't like the previous ones, wait until next week. We'll release a whole different series on a, a different topic. But tonight we wanted to uh, talk about you know when does religion stop bringing us together and start tearing us apart? And I think the framing around that is religion has a sense of community, and we've spoken about this sense of identity and and how we interact with one another, but when it's at like when we as humans are kind of at our low and we're pretty vulnerable religion can start turning us into 
not so great neighbors, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. we all have, we all know throughout the ages of of the Crusades and and various um, religious backed uh, wars that that just have torn torn people apart. But I think what we're even talking about more so is is local um, community and how it can tear us apart and really polarize people. Yeah. It's a, I mean, we have to talk about it, right? Because I think it's a, it's a reality. Um, and I don't think either of us are here to, you know, um, unfairly uh, be dismissive or criticize religion. There's no doubt in my opinion that at a community level, it can be um, a force of good and um, um, and solace at times in people's lives when they, they need support. No question. No question, and, and and I'm not talking about just personal faith. I'm talking about organized church religion, right? It can be a wonderful force for good. Um, however, my sense is that there is a threshold that gets crossed when the religion becomes the the organization of the religion becomes less about community and more about and this will sound like a bit of a cliche, but more about what I see as control and power. Mm. And the, and and I think that's a, I think I can, in my mind, at least tie that to the remoteness of the religious leader, you know? So for example, national churches where people are celebrating, um, um, uh, a figurehead, um, who has no idea that they exist. Um, and therefore, cannot possibly have their interests at heart um that i think is some somewhere in there the line gets crossed and the religion um uh, or the organization of religion can start to um portray more negative outcomes for people than it can positive yeah not not to yeah sorry go ahead well, I was, I was going to say, I think you could draw a harder line in the sand. I think it's when religion, well, there is the, the power dynamic of it, but I think it's also, especially when you're talking about the, uh, the churches that you're talking about, when religion becomes a business um, and it stops yes. being about the community and the, and the, the, the common thread that holds everyone together. Um and there's other aspects of that, right? Like just because it becomes a business doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to turn that way. But I, I feel once you start, once you start mixing capital and, uh, yeah. and dollars in, into things like it, it's got a chance to go sideways. But historically it's always been there, right? There's always been the plate, you know, that gets passed around, you know, because the roof needs repairing on the church. So it's not like I feel I feel like there's an there's an okay aspect to the to money and religion because clearly churches deteriorate and need and there's no there's no other source of income for church, um, especially local churches than donations and etc. So I think that's okay. But I think your point's a good one. There's an a sort of ramping up of the commercialism at a national level where they're not collecting money for the purposes of you know restoring. Um, church property it's to basically buy somebody a you know a large private jet um and that (laughs) or two or two and and that's so and that to me somewhat obviously right is like well that's just nuts but there are other but clearly this is not a 
this is not an exception, right? This happens all the time. And I, I don't want to unfairly, I don't want to unfairly point out or isolate the US in here because I do think this phenomenon exists overseas too. But it's very, very prominent here in the United States, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, and I think it becomes, um, you know, going back to the original question of like, when does it start tearing us apart? And I, be, I, I think I use a, a royal us as a community, and it becoming very sure. polarizing because I think what ends up happening is, I, the, this has always bothered me is that you get people out there that pick and choose the parts of the religion, and it, it's totally up to them. You know, it's their their own belief, but they'll pick and choose what they want to read out of a book and interpret it their way. And then just because you don't believe that same thing, then it's then you're you're not on their side. Like it becomes this weird form of tribalism. Yes. Where it's us versus them. It's a way to express it, isn't it? It's a way to express this notion of belonging and then by extension, who doesn't belong. Mm hmm. Which, funny enough, I think it's just a natural human thing. Right? Yeah, I, I think it's the excuse, right? It's not the, it's the conduit to something that's very, I think, intrinsic to human nature, which is that we are tribalistic. And it's and, and as much as we feel like we've evolved into more social creatures, there are those, I think, raw tribalistic um, um tensions which i think exist between us and it can be expressed in all sorts of ways you know like your favorite football team uh, which is i would argue a relatively harmless uh, form of tribalism um but i think the, the difference with religion is that um it it, it it can get to a level where it becomes extreme and and then the tri- the tribalism leads into you know acts of violence i mean yeah there clearly have been recent and very very visceral vis- um examples of religious sponsored um acts of violence which have been um you know all over our television sets right in the last 10 years particularly or, or actually certainly in the last 20 years particularly right we've seen plenty of examples of that yeah. And this is actually a callback to an episode that we did earlier talking about um, conspiracy theories. I think we touched on that a bit and why people go down the rabbit hole. And it's the same kind of thing is that um, people people tend to want to feel a sense of belonging somewhere. And I think that's where religion as a community steps in. Um, versus like the identity, but it becomes part of the identity. And once you start ingraining that into your identity, you know, come hell or high water, like that is who you are and anyone against you or starts challenging your own, what we would consider quote unquote self. Uh, it's a, there's a visceral reaction to that. Um, and, and it, it does tend to lead people to do things like, you know, donate (laughs) their savings. Um, to these uh, at the end of the day i do feel like they're fraudsters and um they're fleecing they're fleecing people that are looking for a sense of belonging that and it's just it just really irks me to know is it just belonging or are they promising something Mm. um existential that uh you can't get anywhere else right they're they're saying to some extent particularly to people who are nearer the end of their lives. Um, hey, 
there's a way forward here. And I think it's very human for us to say, well, hang on, what, what, what do you mean? Uh, there's something after death. And if I like having to just, you know, give you everything I was intending to give to my children and I'm going <laughs> to give it to you instead, <laughs> I get to like live in, you know, paradise uh, after I've, I've passed. That's a very seductive idea. Hundred percent. The one thing I never understood, though, is like how younger generations get brought into that. I don't know if it's a family generational thing, where it's just like, "Hey, we grew up in this church, and we're just kind of a part of it." I mean, I think that's how most religions work. I think it is. It's indoctrination, right? I think. Yeah. I think children, my son, you, we have similar age sons. Yep. They have no religious preference right now, right? And if left to their own devices. Um, they would, uh, I'm guessing take, um, uh, one of, they would either be faithful people or not based on their own assessment of whether that's important to them or not. But if you and I would bring our, our children up in, in an environment where there was no option, in fact, you know, it, I think it's, 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 it's almost, a. um, I, I think there's very little choice in it. I think, I think children who are indoctrinated into, um, religious environments will just propagate it and, and the cycle completes i think without it i don't think religion survives right i think it's i think it's actually somewhat um required in order for these ideas to to be propagated yeah yeah i think that's i mean that's always something that that i've toyed with right because i i grew up one way and um and i don't think my parents ever forced it on me but you know at the end of the day i ended up making my own decision i'm like yeah you know um, this is what I, I believe instead. Um, and it's going to be interesting because like we don't, my, my wife and I, we, we have no plans on like forcing anything on our child as far as, as this goes. Um, we're, we're kind of the sit back and, Hey, you tell us what you want to go explore. Right. Um, and just kind of be the, the gardener, not the, the carpenter, if you will plant the seed instead of building the structure. And I think I think you represent a larger and larger group of parents who see things a similar way. And I think that is why we're seeing such a wane, even in the United States, which has historically been a stronghold of people who permanently believe in God and and specifically Christian yeah. God. Um, we're seeing that wane because I do feel like we're entering into a new phase of secular uh, 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 um, parenting, right, where we're not. I mean, we're the same. Like, I don't I have no issue if my son um, decides that he wants to believe in God, any God, not just a Christian God, uh, or not, right? And I, I think that's a decision that he has to make on his own. And I think, but I, but I don't think that's historically been the case here. I think, particularly in parts of the country, the so called Bible Belt, Midwest, I think there's a much more indoctrinated approach to parenting where children are told that, as a matter of fact, these things exist. But look, let, let's come back to because I think whilst that's interesting, I want to just touch on um, the the terrace apart part, right? Because I sure. think um, you know we've we've talked a lot about some of the sort of ills of religion, but not so much the the thing that can be quite destructive. Um, so let's take for example, and this is a, a difficult subject, I agree. But let's take, for example, um, this notion that um, those of Islamic faith and those who have um, uh, are of Christian faith are in some ways um, 
some ways diametrically opposed and incompatible and frankly aren't really allowed to even occupy um the earth together right as far as you know these extreme some of these extreme views and not and to be clear not just not just muslim views right there are definitely right. just as many christian views that are as extreme as this w- what is that is it xenophobia is it like what is it that's like is it is religion just becoming the embodiment of personal prejudice there do you think or do you think there's some other social cultural ills uh, evils at uh, uh, play there that are, are causing us to use religion in such a destructive and and um isolationist kind of way man you're gonna hit me with that sorry uh geez <laughs> yeah i should have probably said i was gonna you know ask yeah question wow i'm gonna need another beer um <laughs> so i think the, the if i was to look at that right like i look at it as once again i think it goes back to fear of the unknown and fear yeah. of the difference and it you're comfortable with people that you, you know that that share the same values as you and um and when people start preying upon the unknown like fud right fear uncertainty and doubt um and when, and when they start when people it, that are looking for power or looking looking to advance in society based off of that, like that's when it starts getting us versus them. And right. so I don't think that's a technical term, but no, you I know, like it. yeah. And, and, and I think that's where a lot of it stems for, because like, you know, you looking at, at, uh, Islam or, or a lot of other, uh, other religions, even Hinduism or, or Buddhism, there's a lot of similarities between religions. And well, at the I mean, end of the, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, at the end of the day, they're just like, don't treat each other really bad. Like, we're all on this mortal coil. Like, let's all try to get through it and not, you know, and, and try to relieve suffering that is life. Exactly. Islam, um, there's nothing inherently violent about it. They are both, both Christianity and um, Islam are Abrahamic faiths. I mean, in the sense that they they yeah. both recognize, like, they, they derive from the same source. Um as does Judaism. Um, I think what they are, are, and this comes back to your tribalism point, they're an easy way to identify who's with you and who's not. And the anger that is often associated with religious um, sponsored evil is, I think, simply a matter of socioeconomic factors that just happened to be expressed through. I do. I do want to get your one take on. It. I know we're we're getting close to the lights flashing, us getting kicked out of here. But this this always brought up an interesting point to me is that you never hear of like people that follow Taoism or Shinto or you know a a, a fari uh, like a Eastern faith. Like you just don't hear about. <laughs> like this major <laughs> clash like yeah it, it may be there maybe i'm not aware of it but i just never have heard of like uh you know a shinto well temple just going off on <laughs> i think there are uh extremely violent buddhists and you know there are definitely um historical um cases of where buddhist monks have you know been responsible for genocide right but i agree and that's this comes back to my point about it being more of a social socioeconomic issue right we as in the united states um we 
um, because of oil, in my opinion, um, heavily um, had heavy interests in the Middle East. We had interests in political outcomes. We had interests in ownership outcomes in the Middle East and interfered in a essentially a huge subcontinental region's politics for commercial gain. And but where does the Crusades fit in that? Well, well, hang on. Let me finish that thought first, okay. because I think what I'm trying to say is that, and in doing so, pissed off a lot of people, right? Yeah. Because we came in and essentially, I'm going to use, I'm going to be fairly crass here, raped their land, um, took their natural resources, and went home. Time and to put I the think, explicit on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that that angered a lot of people. And left, and in many cases, we made promises that we didn't keep. And I think religion has just been a way for those people to galvanize their disquiet mm. and, frankly, hatred of a very easy target, right? The United States did this. And therefore, all people who are of the United States did this, who are predominantly Christian. And I think that is what happened in the case of this so-called Islamic, I mean, I'm grossly simplifying this, obviously, yeah. but but in terms of the Islamic um, uh, Christian tensions. Crusades, I think, it's, I think it's rinse and repeat, isn't it? It's just an older version of the same story. These were politically motivated campaigns that were about territorial gains in this case, not so much resources. And we used um, religion as a way to justify it. Yeah. These, these I mean, people don't don't belong here, right? Yeah, and I think you could even apply that to the whole manifest destiny, right? Of yes. of moving west and taming the quote unquote savages, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, so David, lights are flashing. We got to get out of here. We don't got to go home, but we got to get the hell out of here. Uh, so looking at our last episode on, well, I say last, but who knows. Uh, in this series, I should say, on religion. So why, when does religion stop bringing us together and start tearing us apart? When it expands, in my opinion, very simply and succinctly, when it extends beyond the community. I think it becomes disconnected from its core principles and core values and becomes a force for uh, political gain and control and less about the well-being of the constituents, put it simply. There you go. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I think it's to even put it more succinctly is when you start going with the it's a uh, us versus them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's too easy, right? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Andy, it's been a pleasure. This one's been a little bit longer than our prescribed um, ten minutes, although I feel like all of them have perhaps crept a little, yeah. a little, a little further north than that. But this has been a really enjoyable one, and I feel like. You know, this is a we could never really finish this conversation, but um, this does feel like a very good place to leave it. I've really enjoyed this series talking about talking with you about religion. I, I think it's um, a fascinating topic that um, could warrant many, many more episodes, but we're not going to do that. We're going to move on uh, to what I don't think we know yet, but certainly uh, either another series or maybe a couple of one offs on topics that um, might turn up um, in those kind of last call conversations. But in the meantime, Andy, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you have been listening to The Last Call. Stay curious.